0: Justin, he comes to us to bring the message this morning and to talk to us, to speak to us about a Muslim ministry. Justin lives in Arlington, Texas with his wife, Cindy, and three children, Samuel, Hannah, and Caleb. He got his education at a little school in Fort Worth, Southwest Universe, Southwestern University, where he's now in the writing stage and completion stage of his Ph.D. that he's working on there. He's currently has a job title, as the affinity strategist for Muslim ministry in Texas, working through the Southern Baptist Convention, but reaching out mostly, he says, through Baptists and Methodists alike. He's also an adjunct professor at Southwestern Theological Seminary. He just happens to have a brother who's a Methodist pastor. I mean, what, how much more perfect can this guy be, right? <laughs> I mean, he and his family lived in Jordan for six years as missionaries there to the Muslim peoples. He's fluent in Arabic knowledgeable of cultural norms and an expert in sharing the gospel with Muslim peoples. Justin, welcome and we hear you gladly.
1: Thank you. God bless you. Good morning my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It is a privilege for me to be a part a part, just play a role, a small role, in what the Lord Jesus is doing in your church on this missions week. So I thank you. Uh, I was introduced, really, to uh, this wonderful church through the youth over here. So I say, uh, I have to give credit where credit is due, and the Lord has worked in my heart to be a part of this missions week uh, as a result of what I heard and saw among the youth. Uh, I guess, last summer, so um, I'm impressed. I have three kids. If we can go to the first slide. Oh, it is up there. <laughs> I'm used to looking up there. Um, when I speak this morning about reaching the nations, I want you to know that in no way, uh, shape, or form am I being selfish. I, if, I, if I do say me or I, I'm really referring to my family, uh, my wife, Ah, thank you. Uh, my wife and I are up there, and then uh, my daughter and son and Caleb, my, my son is almost 19, and he's a senior. i to go to college next year, and then my daughter Hannah will be a senior next year. Uh, she is almost 17, and then Caleb next to me, is, uh, he's 14, almost 15. So that's my family. Uh, whether I was a uh, fighter pilot in United States Air Force or instructor pilot to uh, the Jordanian Air Force as an exchange officer. For more than three years or then after that my family lived in Jordan for over 11 years reaching out by God's grace among a missionary organization called Frontiers church planning among Muslims uh, my, my father I thought I would live there the rest of my life with my family uh, but we know what that does when we think those things uh, <laughs> the Lord had other plans my father has um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma disease um, the doctors say it's incurable but uh, I came home Uh, to make sure that I took care of first things first. Uh, So I still wake up in the morning, and I think to myself, man, I'm I'm in America. And I thought I was going to be in the Middle East, particularly the West Bank, the rest of my life. But uh, my father is, I'm glad to be only 50 minutes away from my father. He's in Rockwall, Texas, and my sister's close to him, five minutes away. And so all I can say is uh, the Lord has brought me back for a temporary period of time before I go back again with my wife and probably live somewhere in the West Bank. But as for now, the Lord has shown me that not only do I have a role in making sure I love my father and my mother and I take care of them, uh, but that I also help make disciples of God's wonderful people in the States, particularly Texas. So I, I say thank you. So that's a brief intro, but I want you to know my heart um, for the nations. I want you to know a bit about my life. It's a bit strange when a, when a new guy kind of comes in and you don't know anything about him. And I want you to know, first of all, you are my brothers and sisters in Christ and I'm just thankful to be sharing here, but uh, I'm I'm trying to, just like you are, to be faithful to reaching out to the people around us, whether it's here or overseas. And next slide, please. Um, this was taken a few years back, right before, actually, the summer before I came back to the States to take care of my father. And uh, I have literally thousands of Palestinian Muslim friends <laughs> and uh One of my visits over in, it's called Ibn khalil it's, it's, uh, it's, Khalil is Hebron, and then Ibn khalil is about 25,000 people, uh, Palestinians, and they, it's about 20 kilometers to the west of of Hebron, and uh, I would go visit my good friends in uh, Ibn khalil and uh, one of my first visits um, that I, that I came to visit, some my friends, uh, you know, my Muslim friends are very outward about their faith, Uh, to them faith is outward. We know that it starts here, out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks or we our actions occur. Um, and so for Muslims especially, when we want to uh, make sure we communicate clearly our love for God in the name of Jesus Christ, we also want to make sure we're outward, not just inwardly loving him, but also outwardly showing that. So I knew that they are very outward about their faith and the way they pray, so I made sure when I woke up every morning, besides all the visits that we went on and enjoying talk about. Um, getting to know each other and talk about the Lord that they're, they're very wanting to talk about God uh, Muslims are and but I also made sure when I woke up in the morning that I would go out on the balcony and I would I would read my my Bible and I would also get down maybe um, on my knees and um, I wouldn't pray like they do but I but I it would be more outward and physical and I would read my Bible or, ha- or pray a little bit have my hands up like this and about the third day and they were all, they would all be gathering around, around on the balcony there, and they would watch this going on, but they would respect that because they also understand what it means to uh, want to worship God in that way. And so on the third day in the morning, uh, this man, Ayad, I, I he's a little bit younger than me, I'm 43 years old, so I guess at that time he's about uh, 37, and uh, he walked up to me, and he just, literally just ripped the Bible out of my hands. And he... And he, we're, we're good friends, so we, I know he knew it wasn't anything offensive. But he, he just walked up to me, and he just took it. And he went over to a chair maybe me about uh, three meters away, and, and he sat down. He just sat there. He sat there for 20 to 25 minutes. I don't want to exaggerate anything, so it was at least 20 minutes. It could have been up to 30 minutes. And he sat there for so long that I finally, because, you know, it was a very, to me, it was a very powerful moment. And I w- didn't want to ruin it, but at the same time, after about, 15 to 20 minutes, I'm like, i got to take a picture of this. <laughs> to me, this is amazing. And so I actually, I was talking to some of his brothers, and I said, hey, would you mind if I just took a picture? I mean, they said, no, no, go ahead. So I, I took out my phone, and I took a picture. <laughs> this church, and I want to say thank you to the, the worship, uh, the choir and the band, and I, I just, I, I worshiped this morning, and I'm still worshiping, and hopefully I can be a part of helping this congregation worship more. And so this morning, we desire to uh, reach the nations. That's the whole point of this week, right? It's not just about our neighbors. It's the nations. And these days, um, as I'm learning more and more in Texas, uh, the neighbors are the nations. Do you know that Texas is n- the number one or number two state in, in, in America that has the, mo- the most, uh, it's the most multi-ethnic. And I think it's the number one state, and it's going to continue to be that way. Anyway, so um, don't we want to be people that, whether it's here or it's overseas, don't we want to be people that reach the nations this way, or the nations themselves, the peoples from the nations, that they, they walk up to us and, and they just rip the Bible out of our hands, or, or they come up to us and they rip the Bible out of our hearts, they ask questions. Well, my, my um, desire this morning is to teach you from God's Word, we read it this morning, to teach you from God's Word about how we do that. How is it that we reach the nations in the way where the nations are just coming to you and wanting to hear more about the truth that you follow? And so, next slide, please. That was in the West Bank, that picture I had. This is in Arlington, just about a year ago. By the way, I, I could post up thousands of pictures. Because I'm out from A to Z all over Texas. I'm in Muslims' homes. or I'm training up churches or teams of people to do this. Um, and so I could just pl- plaster thousands of pictures up there. But this is a picture in Arlington. And we were visiting. My family was visiting this family, um, this Iraqi family. And after the, after the meal, I was just, on my heart was this psalm this, this of praise. Just the enjoyable time we are having. And so I said, hey, um, Ali, Ali Husseini would you mind if, if I just, I just had this, this, this psalm of, and song of praise on my heart that I'd like to read at the end of our time here. We eat lunch together, and then he said, no, that's no problem. So I opened up the Bible that I had with me, and I, I read the psalm, very short psalm, and then I was about to close the psalm and then move on to something else. My family had to eventually just leave soon, and then he said, no, stop. And he put his hand on the Bible before I closed it, and he said, do you mind? Oh, no, go ahead. And he, he took the Bible, he began to read it, and then I said, well, would you like to have it? He said, yeah. So I gave it to him. We want to reach the nations. It's not just, I can tell in this church, I can tell it's not just a slogan. It's it's from your heart. It's from the Holy Spirit. He is here indwelling us. He is here. And so from from Paul, the Apostle Paul, I want us to learn, I believe paul he teaches us how to reach the nations we know that in acts chapter 9 if you have your bibles you can begin opening them to acts 17 but um we know that in acts chapter 9 that the lord jesus revealed himself to ananias and he told paul saul later to be paul he told paul that what that that It was going to be Saul, Paul, who was going to be Christ's chosen instrument to do what? To bear his name to the Gentiles. And so is it good enough to say that the Gentiles are the nations? Is that okay? Uh, We don't want to assume anything in the text, but let's just say, you know, God chose Paul. Jesus chose Paul to be his chosen instrument to reach the nations. Now, besides Christ himself, wouldn't you say that if there's going to be an example for us to follow in this body of Christ, to know how to reach the nations, that Paul would be a good example? Can we agree with that? Okay. So I I chose just one passage from Acts 17. I could chose many, many, many in in Acts or even in the epistles. And we're going to follow the passage that we read earlier, and we're going to try to pick out hopefully draw out some truths that we can follow here and overseas, wherever we are, so that the nations can be reached where they want to rip the word of God, rip the Bible just out of our hands. Okay? Alright. So, Acts 17, we already read it, so I'm just going to read two verses here. Uh, Paul is um, about to begin his second missionary journey. you go to the next slide, please? And uh He's about to begin a second missionary journey. He's actually by himself. He's waiting for Timothy and Silas. Uh, And then here we go, the first two verses. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. The first point, the first way—it's so basic, and I know we know this in, in many ways. I'm not saying anything new here this morning. I'm not trying to. If we want to reach the nations, the first way in which we can imitate Paul, as he as he imitates Christ, is that he goes out. He goes out. We see here that Paul is by himself. He's waiting for Silas and Timothy. He's in a huge city, one of the the epicenters of the the world at that time, Athens, uh, a hustling and bustling city full of trade and international peoples, and and if there was was an excuse that he might have to not go out, he was waiting for for two of his best brothers in Christ so they could go out and, and reach the nations, right? He's by himself. But do we see Paul here? Do we see Paul here waiting inside his five-star Athenian hotel? (laughs) In a way, in many ways, I'll speak for myself. I, I could justify him doing that, right? He's not with his brothers. He's by himself. But here we learn an important truth that we, as God's people, we must apply in our lives. And that is, if we're serious about reaching the nation's, we must be like Christ. We must be like Paul. We must get our behinds, get our heads, get our hands, get our feet, and get out of our homes, and we must go out to where the nations are. That's my wife, and uh, there's a, a team, of a Muslim ministry team all throughout Texas, and this is one of the, uh, the ladies that is on it. And uh, this is an Iraqi lady. I had met her before this picture. I had met her just outside um, of an apartment complex, and she was on her balcony. And she, I saw her, I saw the dress. And so I said, assalamu alaikum kif al-hal. And I said, hey, may the God of peace be with you. How are you doing? And she was just so excited that someone said hi to her. And I told her, um, we, we'd, like to, we'd like to come and see you. And she was like, yeah, 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 come on now. I can't go now, but we'll come a little later. Well, this is two months later, and when we actually knocked on our door. For whatever reason, we didn't come immediately. About two months later, I brought my wife, and I brought another couple with me, uh, and we knocked on her door, and when she opened the door, she almost had a heart attack of joy. And this is the first words out of her mouth. She said, ever since you told me that you were going to come, I have been waiting for you, and I began to think you were never going to come. And she almost had tears in her eyes. We didn't even know her. I have a friend, very close friend. And he, unfortunately, we talk on the phone, doesn't live in this DFW area. He is very lonely. He complains all the time about having friends. No one likes him. No one ever calls him. And he, I think he's really in the beginnings of a a state of depression. I I talked to him on the phone, and I I said, tell me, uh, tell me, John, uh, what, tell me about your day, how how do you live your life, let me hear about what's going on, and uh, he says, well, I wake up early, and I go to work, and then at lunchtime, I pretty much just work through lunch, and then I come home, and then I'll get on the computer, watch some TV, and then I'll go to bed. And do the same thing over and over again. My good friend, who I, I sympathize with being lonely, but at the same time, if he's a person that doesn't want to be lonely and make friends, what does he have to do? He has to go out. He has to do something somewhere to take that step to get to know people so we can have friends. Well, I believe Paul, he teaches us in the scriptures this morning the same concept. And maybe maybe many of us this morning are in the same place as my friend who says he's lonely. And that is, we say we want to reach the nations, but at the same time, are we going out? Are we going out to where the nations are? You know, in Genesis 12, 13, the Abrahamic covenant is is in Genesis 12, uh, 1 through 3. And you can summarize the Abrahamic covenant like this. God tells Abraham to go and be a blessing. And when, you're, when you go and you're a, you're a blessing, then all the nations of the earth will be blessed. What about Matthew 28? I think we mentioned the Great Commission, 18 through 20 or whatever. If you summarize, we believe in progressive revelation, right? So I think we, we experience progressive revelation And what we call the Great Commission, that is, Jesus says to disciples, you can sum it up in this way. Disciples, I want you to reach the nations. How are you going to do that? Go and be a blessing. The first step in order to reach the nations is go out. Next slide. Now, hopefully you picked up in the scriptures what Paul was doing when he went out. He wasn't just going out aimlessly. He was going out and he was observing. Next slide. Once again, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was was observing the city full of idols. When Paul was going out, he could have stayed back in his hotel. But when Paul was going out, did he have a purpose? When Paul was going out, was he just going out to go shopping? What was he doing? The scriptures say he was going out and he was observing what? The city full of idols. We could summarize that by saying he was observing their religious practices. He was, he was going out and being attentive to their, uh, their prayers or their, uh, how they were behaving or what they worshipped or their temples or their, the way they, they conducted themselves and talked about their gods or, or their, their philosophy. He was observing. And I love this part about the scripture. Uh, The word of God says, Paul's spirit was being provoked. Have you ever left your home and you're driving around on the streets of the DFW area or you're walking in a supermarket or you're out of your house somewhere or you're seeing billboards or even in your home and you're seeing commercials and your spirit is being provoked? Because you are attuned to the Lord, and you're looking around this dark world, which we're supposed to be lovers of the people but haters of sin. And we, we just get troubled with the filth and the dirt and the ugliness or the depression or the depravity. That's what Paul was happening to Paul. Paul was someone who was obeying Jesus' words to go out and be his chosen instruments to the nations. And we see him going out and making sure he's observing the religious practices of the peoples, and what's happening to his heart and his mind. He's provoked. He's not happy with it. He's not just, okay, no big deal. It bothers him. It bothers him. Does it bother us? Are we become callous possibly, or are we sensitive to the Holy Spirit? We go out in the world, and we're noticing things, uh, people's idols, or their practices, or their speech, or their actions, and and we just become saddened by it. Paul was a person that was very sensitive, and he went out, and he observed, and particularly he was observing their religious orientation, and he wasn't happy. This word for observed, I don't want to impress anybody, because I'm not impressive, but we do want to notice something. The word for observed here is used over and over again in this text. And the word is theorio. Kind of makes you a little bit hungry for Oreos. <laughs> it's easy to remember. It's theorio. This word theorio is observed. Paul was observing. It means careful calculation of what he was observing with regards to their religious practices. You know, in order to reach the nations, we must become like Paul, who was a student of the Gentiles. In order to reach the nations, we must become students of the nations. Let's move on to verses 22 and 23. As Paul went out, it's amazing what happens when we go out among the Gentiles. We end up talking to Gentiles, or we end up talking to people. And when we get to talk to people, they want to talk about these things, about their lives. And that's exactly what happened in 22 and 23. The result of going out and observing, he then gets an audience and be able to talk more about his beliefs. Verse 22, so Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects, that's once again, that's theorio, but that's anathiorio. That's three times already it mentions what Paul was doing when he went out and examining the objects of your worship we could say, and observing very carefully the objects of your worship I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God, therefore what you worship is in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, so once again we see exactly the scriptures tell us exactly, or Luke tells us, inspired Luke, what exactly was Paul doing when he was going out he was making careful examination with Digestion of what he was seeing and thinking about it. When we go out, we need to be intentional. The Holy Spirit, he wants us to be intentional about observing the peoples around us. Whatever nation or background they might be from. Next slide. How how do I do this? I'd like to give you a few examples of how I do this in Texas. This is called, what would you say this is from afar? What? Yellow Pages. pages. Well, let me tell you something. I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this when I came uh, back to the States about three years ago. And that is, this is called a Muslim Yellow Pages. Muslims, with their own monies and with their own time and, and organization, uh, they put together, all over the United States, they put together their own Yellow Pages. And in a Yellow Pages, you can tell um, all, all their, their Muslim patrons or their Muslim businesses. What, what is one way that Justin Heaster can be a student, I can observe... Uh, the Muslim people that God has particularly called me, my family and I, to. Well, I want you to know that there, there's a Muslim Yellow Pages. It's amazing how much you can learn about what Muslims are doing, thinking, and saying uh, from the Yellow Pages. So that's one way in which um, I learn about the Muslim people who I so dearly love. Uh, there is a, uh, I don't know if I put it on there, but you might want to w- write this down. There is a website called Islamic, www.islamicfinder.com. Islamicfinder.com. You can type in that website, and you can type in your area code and then a radius, and then boom, hit a button, and within nanoseconds, it's going to pop out a list of all the Muslim-owned businesses, uh, whatever that that are in your area. So that's that's how I observe. Uh, when I one way I observe. Muslims in Texas. Um, I go to restaurants where Muslims work. Um, I prayer walk in areas where I know Muslims live. Do you know that there are almost 2 million Muslims in Texas? And from my experience, 99% of all Muslims in Texas, and I'm being conservative, do not have one Christ-following friend. Muslims do not have an ideology or theology of going out to meet people. They have a community they're supposed to live with and practice their faith with. Whereas we, Christ calls us to practice our faith not only with the believers, but also to go out with non-believers. But Muslims don't have that theology. Um, I respectfully visit mosques. We did that with the youth last summer. And um, also the last one we can't see, though, it says that we ask a lot of questions. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, perfect, perfect. In all things, and all knowledge, when he was on earth, incarnate, when he talked with sinful people, what did he do most of the time? He asked questions. Why would Jesus, who knows all things, why would he ask sinful people questions about their lives? Because he doesn't know what they're going to say? He wants to have a dialogue. He wants to give them an opportunity to think about the question and understand where they're coming from. I ask a lot of questions. I want to learn more and more and more about the people God has called my wife and I to so that we can be more um, wise about how to communicate the truth that we so dearly want to communicate. Next slide, please. Uh, this slide is an example of observing, not just me personally, but bringing various churches. This is in a mosque in, in, in Fort Worth, at a Hewlin mosque, and these are all believers in Jesus Christ from South Cliff Baptist Church. And the covered people, they're the ladies. It's, it's, it's appropriate and respectful to go inside a mosque with a head covering on, and the men, of course, they, they can just dress modestly. And uh, and so this is also another way that, that we observe. You know, maybe sometime, it's up, it's up to uh, to you all but may, and, and your pastor, but maybe sometime you would like for me to help lead a, a group of people from this church uh, to a mosque where you can just observe and learn about what's going on. But this is something that that we and I help do in Texas to help God's people learn more about Muslims and Islam, so they can more better understand and communicate truth to Muslims, the truth of Jesus Christ. All right, next slide. The third step to reach the nations. The first step, we go out. Secondly, we carefully observe. The peoples around us, particularly paying attention to the, their religion and their practices. And then thirdly, we speak in context. How many people here this morning have heard the word contextualization? Okay. Uh, many times this word, especially in scholarly circles, it can bring a lot of, uh, uh, it's sensitive and, and very um, people get really nervous about the word contextualization because some people think that contextualization means that you water down the gospel in order to speak to uh, certain people in a way that maybe what might be more acceptable. Well, I want to tell you that contextualization, I I like to define contextualization like this. We want to speak and live in the context of the people we're speaking to or living among. Does that make sense? Lo, If I, this morning, spoke to you in the Arabic language the entire time while I was preaching, would you understand everything? Would you understand anything? This is a perfect example. My heart would be pure, right? My heart would be pure. I'd be preaching from the Word of God. I'd be applying sound, hermeneutical principles an expository teaching, but I'm speaking in a context that is not familiar to you, and so would would, would that do you any good this morning? Okay, well, you know what I think? In my opinion, as I've come back from the Middle East, and now I'm in the West here, which this is my country, and I love my country, I've served my country for many, many years in the Air Force, but I think that as Westerners, we have got to get a little better at speaking in the context of the nation's we might think to ourselves, hey, they're in America, they got to learn my language. Okay, you know what? I'm not talking about politics here. I'm talking about communicating the gospel. Are we clear here? When it comes to communicating the gospel, what language do you think the nations are going to understand more? America's language or their own mother tongue? What language would you understand Jesus Christ the most? In English or in Arabic? Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 2 He left his eternal place of glory, and he came down, he took upon the form of sinful flesh. You know how humbling that is? And he he dressed according to a Jewish man, Jewish culture. He spoke with a Jewish tongue. He was speaking and living in the context of the people he came to save. Can we not do the same? We must do the same because we must follow Christ Jesus and his example, and we must follow Paul. Paul, when he went out and he observed, he did so for a reason, because he wanted to then have an opportunity that God provided so that he could speak and live in context. And I want to show you what I believe, what I see in the scriptures, Paul doing this. In verse 23, Paul began to speak and to live in context. He said, for while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Okay, we see as Paul was going out and observing carefully their, religious, their religion and their city full of idols, what did he observe while he was doing that in this verse? An altar, right? What does an altar belong to? a temple, right? Okay, let's notice when what he says next. 24, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath And all things, and he goes on and on and on and begins to describe God's place, the true God who lives in the the true temple in the heavens, the heavenly realms, of how and why he created the nations to grope for him. But you see, he picked up on something he learned about them as going out observing, he picked up on their altars, and then he connected that to something they could relate to, and that's a temple. That is speaking and living in context. What else, though? How else do we see Paul speaking and living in context? Go down to verse 28, please. Paul writes, For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Do you know what Paul just did there? What did he just quote from? Pagan Greek literature, and it is an hour inspired and an errant text. Paul, he was a student of the Gentiles. We want to reach the nations, amen? amen? We want to reach the nations, Well, we got to take some time and prayer and effort to get to know the nations. He understood their poetry. He was getting under their skin, so to speak. He was getting to know what made them tick what they read, what their poets said. And then when God gave him the opportunity to speak the truth about Jesus Christ, his Lord and Savior, he was able to find points of contact. He understood what their poets said and he talked about what they said. And then he related it to the true and living God. Because then he goes on in verse 29. Okay, your poets say... For we also are his children. Okay, he says, fine. You believe that we're God's children? Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. And he goes on and on, eventually talks about Christ, the resurrected one. Brothers and sisters, Paul quotes from pagan literature because he was taking the time to know it, and then he was able to bridge the gap and talk about you know what if we truly are the children of God as you say then then we truly are the children of God and therefore should we worship stone or metal idols that are not living does that make any sense he goes out he doesn't stay in his house and he had every reason to Paul waiting for Silas and Timothy he observes he's very he's a student of the religions around him so he can then he can speak and live in context next slide please this is a picture this is incredible um, I'm trying to give you an example of how to speak and to live in context but the great thing is is that each of you have wonderful people that you know that don't know Christ and you you have to uh, enjoy getting to know your context to who you're speaking to and then you can figure out ways that that can happen for you too And I'm not saying you're not doing it but we can get better at that uh, I, I'm, I am a, uh, a voluntary worker for World Relief. Has anybody heard of the the uh, La, La Jean, the um, the ref, refugees, refugee agencies here in the DFW area? Who has her, heard of World Relief? Okay, a few. World Relief is one of the three primary. I'm speaking. I'm thinking Arabic here. Refugees lajut. Okay, refugees. One of the primary refugee agencies in texas especially dfw well we we went through a background check took like one day signed up some forms got a background check and now (laughs) they give me basically addresses and names of all the muslims coming into the dfw area and i they get to i get to come and i get to knock on the door and say hello how are you i'm justin this is my wife cindy and my kids how are you doing incredible they can meet a lot of people here in dfw couldn't they but who do you think that god wants them to meet someone like me not because I'm anything amazing, but because God's given us a heart for them, we have some experience, and all of a sudden, we have these, all these thousands of refugees coming, and we get to know their names and addresses because we observed. We did some homework. So we get to meet the Sudanese Muslim family. I'm telling you, it's within 24 hours of their arrival. And when we walked in the home, Zim Zim, the lady on the bottom right, Zim Zim, she, the one thing she brought back from Sudan, and they, by the way, all their families, thousands were just massacred, and she had this wooden apparatus, cooking apparatus, and she was like, it was like from the dark ages from my perspective, I mean, I'm not making fun, but it was like, what, and she was doing something in her, with her hands, like she, you would find her in the desert, Making food. Well, two months later, Ramadan comes around. We're visiting them over and over again. They visit us. And it was um, Ramadan. It was the last day of Ramadan, their holy month. And at the end of every night, they have a celebration or a meal. And they invited us to come to their last meal of Ramadan. And so we came and brought some food. And they made food sitting on the floor, which is, which is their cu- custom, eating with our, our right hands. And uh, it was a feast, a religious celebration. At the very end of it, I then began to share about the Passover lamb. Do you know that Muslims in the Quran it talks about the Quran about how God's people the Israelites were rescued from from slavery in Egypt but do you know that in the Quran the Quran mentions nothing about how God did that? hmm interesting and so in this religious celebration called the Passover which we were having a celebration here I read about the Passover in the Old Testament and then after we had some dialogue about it I then went to John chapter 1 where John the Baptist says look the Lamb of God who does what takes away the sin sin the collective sin of the entire world away that's speaking and living in context we had a great conversation about that well I really appreciate you allowing me to be a part of all that God is doing in your lives this Missions Week. I want to challenge you by this. There might be some people, just as we did with the youth, the wonderful youth, um, which is why I'm here, because I saw God working in them. like, you know what? I want to do this. And I want to challenge you. Maybe there are a group of you in this church that want to go through some Muslim ministry training, or they want to visit a mosque or whatever, I want to say, you know what, however I can help you become part of reaching the nations in Texas among Muslims, I would love to do that. But more importantly, if we want to reach the nations right today and tomorrow, we must go out, we must become students and observe the people we want to reach, and then we must, we must make sure to speak and to live in their context. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for the worship that you allowed me to experience this morning in song. And I pray that this message was in some part an act of worship to you. And you spoke to your people here this morning in a special way. I don't know exactly how it might have been, Lord, but you do. And I pray whatever your people might have heard this morning, they will apply it and go out and make a difference among the nations that live here in the DFW area. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.